This is the business of sports. Should Major League Baseball shorten up the season? How do we present football to the audience of the future? I don't think that most players understand the power that they have. Michael Barr. The future of IndyCar racing is looking bright. Scott Soshnick. Very basic math here. More bidders means more money. Evan Novi williams The team value has essentially quadrupled. And the leaders in the sports industry. Time to bring in our guest, Hal Steinbrenner. National Hockey League Commissioner Gary Bettman. Atlanta Braves President Derek Schiller. Patriots President Jonathan Kraft. Bloomberg Business of Sports. From Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Michael Barr. I'm Evan Novi williams And I'm Scott Soshnick. Every week at this time, plus Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. This week, a conversation with Robert Smith. The former NFL running back talks about his time at Ohio State, walking away from pro sports in the prime of his career, and why players are sometimes reluctant to disclose outside interests to their head coaches. People have a stereotype of what athletes are, but in a locker room, it's, it's much more diverse. We will have more of our interview with former NFL running back Robert Smith in a few minutes. But first, let's look at the top stories of the week. Let's start with Tiger Woods and Discovery. What do you think? You paying subscription fee to get some golf tips from Tiger? Yeah, you are. How sure. much? You really? Sure. Well, I mean, you totally no. surprised me. That I wasn't ready for that answer. No, I mean I would. It's and especially like I said, I have a buddy who I grew up with, who is an avid golfer. He would pay for this in a minute. Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, this is Discovery. You know, they're paying a lot of sports rights in Europe, but they're starting like a Netflix like service for golf. So two billion I mean, dollar deal with the PGA. Yeah, and I thought we already Last had year. like you know Golf Channel, <laughs> but now if you want a Netflix like series, Tiger's going to have his own content. He's going to get a slice of the subscription revenue. So all plus for Tiger, you know, got to record some tips, whatever. Upside on Tiger, of course, he's the biggest name in golf. Is he going to draw subscribers? I, I'm totally speculating here, but I would imagine this is not the final uh, final golfer that that Discovery is going yeah. to work with on there. This is golf TV, as you said. It's it's an over the top uh, digital offering, and you you know you need content for that, right? And and there's only so much yes, live golf that you can show. You know that that goes out to other partners as well. Um, certainly, instructional video, which is what this Tiger deal is, is going to be a big thing inside the life of. Jordan Spieth or Rory McIlroy, they're so going to need a, they're going to need a lot of content to boost up golf TV. They're, That's they're, like Michael Jordan giving me tips on you know keep your elbow in it. I mean, you're Michael. It does the, not really. I would help. I would venture to say the golf instructional industry yeah. is a ma- much bigger industry than the basketball. No, of, instructional of course, industry. but I'm yeah. saying it's Tiger Woods. Like you know, there are plenty of golf instructors who am I paying do I want to see Tiger give me well no instruction? yes you do it, it, here's why you know I, wa- right. I want to see his father if we have the old homemade videos of his dad giving him instruction because then, yeah, then I know it well yeah exactly <laughs> remember little 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 Tiger walking out with that the little cute. bag the yeah. one with Bob Hope I yep. love that yep. that was good but anyway people will pay for that how many people? I love a this. Guess the, I love this. Guess the OTT. Number. No, it, but it's part. This isn't. You're not paying for Tiger's. No, no. You're paying you're for paying the entire for the overall service. thing. Of course, and this of is a course. part of it. Well, I'm asking. Yeah. How many people? How attractive is a Netflix-like service for golf? If you had the bowling channel when I was really good at bowling, I would be on that. For Just listeners who maybe joined the show after we mentioned, would you like to tell the world of your high score? I shot a two ninety nine. Mm. And it's the story of my life. <laughs> what always the, missing? Then always missing. That's it. Man. By the way, can we retire the Netflix of no. Mon- moniker? No, because I know exactly what they Netflix mean. Netflix of it. podcast, Netflix of education, Netflix of sports, Netflix. So what, of what games. would you like to do instead? I don't know. It just All seems right, well, it seems lazy. You think about that and then seems, get to lazy. Next top. On to Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi not. 
Oh, I just told you the topic. I like that. I, you, that was said. planned. Yeah, I well, I, I, you know, you can't help it. It it, it flows. They used to when they announced it all the time for yeah. the Spurs. New Balance, by the way, doing yes. very well as a brand. New Va- New Balance is doing very well now. They've signed Kawhi Leonard. He's in Toronto. You know, got his way out of San Antonio. I don't know, Evan, your thoughts on Kawhi moving the needle on a basketball shoe? Uh, yeah, I mean, we're, I'm not sure, he's not, he's obviously not LeBron James, um, but, you know, he's he's tremendously popular, he's a, he's a very good player, um, and in the past year we've seen, you know, the, 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 the world of basketball, specifically endorsements, is spreading out a bit. Puma got into this game, you know, and, and they poached some people. Fila got back into this game. New Balance, not even, Kawhi's not the first they've gone after, right? The... The the kid that, that that committed to to Syracuse that that came out Baisley is that his yeah. name? Um, he's he's doing that internship at New Balance. Yeah. So there's we're seeing more and more shoe companies realizing that hey we might be able to make a splash with one or two guys and they're not all going to go to Under Armour or Nike. There, there there's going to be uh, there's more to spread out. I, I think I underestimated Kawhi's value. I didn't think he'd really be that motivated in Toronto, but they're in first place, right? They're doing oh, very Toronto well. Toronto is is yeah. rocking. Lights out. Yeah, it's. Inter- Interesting. It was uh, it was interesting, by the way, really quickly that he came out for a media availability, yeah. came out in socks and no shoes. Man. So that's, a, that's called that a tease. W- that was a tease. That's called a so. tease. Speaking of a tease, mm-hmm. heading into the next story, NBA star Steph Curry. Now, God bless him. There was this little letter from this little girl, and now we look like we're going to have. Uh, uh, let's say uh, for girls who want to play basketball. Go ahead, Evans. Yeah, Under Armour messed up on this one. Uh, the Curry Fives, Curry's newest shoe. Uh, if you went to the Under Armour website recently, uh, it was marketed to under the men's and the women's categories and the boys' drop-down category, but not the girls' drop-down category. And this nine-year-old in California, Riley Morrison, sent an open letter to, to Steph. And to Steph's, cur- to, to Steph's credit, you know, he quickly responded, hey, I've been working with Under Armour on this. I'm going to send you some free shoes. We're going to make sure that the website is fixed. Uh, and, and this girl and Steph have changed the way that Under Armour is marketing his shoes. That's how we screwed up. I mean, and, and so did Under Armour, Ste- to their credit yeah, also. And, and, yeah. and Steph has not been afraid to criticize his endorser, which is nice to see if he has a difference of opinion from the company that he represents, and he has not been shy about doing that. Yeah, but yeah, he said he's going to give the girl, give the little girl this pair of shoes. He's going to give the little girl the next pair of shoes. Mm-hmm. And he said, leave the date open because you're going to be coming to Golden State. Yeah. So uh, a mistake, but everybody seems to have handled it properly in the le- aftermath. Lemonade from lemons. <laughs> and give it up for Steph Curry. He has had a rocky few days. He wrecked his Porsche. And yeah, that's a bad, bad day. day. Now let's get to this week's interview with Robert Smith, former NFL running back for the Minnesota Vikings and Ohio State alum who walked away from the game to pursue a career in medicine. He's currently a part of the Fan Health Network, a venture backed by the NFL Players Association's Accelerator, the One Team Collective. Robert, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Yeah, no problem. Now, Robert, I know people say, oh, we're excited to have you on the program and things like that. We have proof. We want to play for you our promo because <laughs> co-host Michael Barr had no idea who this week's I guest didn't, was. And I, ooh, and I and so and here here's the setup from Evan Novi Williams. Join us again at the end of the week when we speak with former Pro Bowl running back Robert Smith. Ooh, yeah, really? We, we didn't tell you Robert Smith was coming in tomorrow. Wow. Oh man, that's I'm, I'm the sorry. Ohio State. Yes, that's cool. So See, how, how about that, Robert? 
Well, it, it's funny because I, I thought that there might have been a mistake. Like, uh, you you obviously made uh, the reference to football, so I thought maybe somebody was excited that the lead the lead singer of The Cure was going to be on. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we're going to get to your music. Oh, like, my goodness. You should see how excited Michael Barr is You right have now. made a huge fan of my wife. She loves The Cure. We, oh, my. Man, you are the man. That's all I got to say. I love this. Now, we're, this is a sports business show, Robert, but I want to give you a chance to start with the landing on Mars, could you? I know you were watching and pumped at that. Yeah, it was, it was so cool. I mean, and obviously, you know, we've been sending probes, uh, but but every every landing and every uh, success that uh, that NASA has, especially something you know that's so complicated and so much work goes into, it's it's great to see. And you know, how about the scene with the. Uh, uh, with all the scientists celebrating the know, handshakes, yeah. oh man, and everything it was just—it was fantastic. All right, so you're a man of all loves here. So we have astronomy, we have music, we we have football. Is are you the exception, or do people have a stereotype in their head of what athletes are? Uh, well, I, I know that people have a stereotype of what athletes are. Um, you know, and I, I think everybody—you have a, an, an office with. 50 plus people in it, uh, you know, it, it might be a little bit more homogenous in, in, a, in an office uh, just because everybody's in the same industry and that's, that's just what they do and what they went to school for. But in a locker room there, it's, it's much more diverse uh, in, in the sense that, you know, people went to school for a lot of different things and you're a student athlete and you're, you're you, you have other interests and other things outside of football that you do. So uh, there's, there's definitely a stereotype that, that doesn't fit with reality. You know, a lot of guys that, you know, were uh, engineering majors and things that I, remember playing with and talking to at length. So it's, uh, it, it, it's fun to have so many different uh, types of people in one place. Do the players suppress that? I remember, let me say, 10, 15 years ago, a, a New York Jet player told me he was going for his MBA, but he asked me to keep it quiet because he didn't want his coach and organization knowing that he had outside <laughs> interests. He wanted them to think that he was 100% football 100% of the time. Yeah, I had a former NFL yeah. player also tell me that, that he was hiding books in his locker room because he didn't, it, both the coaches and his fellow players, he didn't want them to know. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's funny. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, it, it depends on, you know, the, this, the level of security, maybe job security that a player has, but, you know, maybe maybe uh, the, the degree of, of confidence that they have as well. You know, Denny Green uh, was my coach the entire time in Minnesota and, and not only uh, uh, tolerated, embraced uh, the differences between people, but really kind of celebrated it. Um, so it, 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 it was never an issue in our locker room, and there are a lot of different, a lot of different voices and a lot of different interests, and it, it was never something that was suppressed at all. Uh, as speaking as a native Detroiter and a guy who went to the University of Michigan, congratulations, <laughs> you, 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 former Ohio State Buckeye player, you beat the living snot out of us this past weekend, and and I got to tell you, you guys look great. It, it, do you remember what it was like when you played in those rivalries, especially the uh, against the Wolverines? Yeah, and I mean for me, and and that's why. When I hear people say congratulations on beating Michigan, like I never beat Michigan. I only played in two of the games and we were 0-1-1. Um, you know, we lost on a no time left field goal, uh, 
when uh, when I was a uh, when I was a freshman. Uh, I didn't play my sophomore year, and then uh, the next year um, we tied. Um, so I, I thought it was a great performance, surprising performance based on what we had seen from both teams. But I won't take credit for the win because <laughs> I know how big the rivalry is, uh, and I know how much it still stings me that I never had a chance to win one of the games. Well, I had a chance, never did win the games. Obviously, you played, as you mentioned, with the Minnesota Vikings. You played with Ohio State. Which one was the more rewarding experience, playing college or playing uh, pro? Oh, that's a, you know that's an interesting question, um, and, and you know maybe one that I'm that I'm overthinking. Uh, you know, I only I, I only played two years in in college, um, so you know I, I that, that that part of it maybe wasn't as rewarding because I didn't have an opportunity to play in as many games and uh, you know didn't really have the success didn't beat Michigan. Whereas in the pros, you know, made it to the playoffs uh, pretty much every year I was in the league, um, you know, but we never won a Super Bowl. Uh, so there are, th- you know, there, there are things that I can look back on and say that I, I wish that I had a chance to accomplish, but, you know, making it into the NFL kind of uh, persevering through some, uh, some problems with injuries earlier in my career and making it through, um, being able to come back and, and be successful, making some Pro Bowls and things. I guess I guess that part of it was more rewarding. We're speaking with former Pro Bowl running back Robert Smith. And Robert, I want to jump to the to the end of your career. Uh, you retired after the 2000 season, by almost all measures, the the best season of your career. Um, you were still pretty young. Um, talk me through the, the the decision to retire. I think there might be some misconceptions out there about the reason why. Did, did head injuries have anything to do with it, or was it more the, the the knee injuries that you were you were suffering? Yeah, it was it was the knee injuries. You know, my last season was the only season I didn't miss any games, and I still needed to have knee surgery after the year. And it was like, you know, I I was thinking to myself, I'm literally I'm going to be a 45 year old knee replacement guy. And here I am at age 46, and haven't uh, haven't had a knee replacement yet. My knees feel pretty good. I've got young children, eight and six, and uh, can can run around the soccer field or baseball field, or uh, you know, uh, run around outside in general and, and play with them. And it's uh, it, it was the right decision to make. You know, you um, you, you hope you have a long life after the game. Uh, and it, it, it makes more sense for that to be a healthy one than uh, than to be one where you're, where, you're, where you're struggling. I assume you were in line at some point for a, for a pretty hefty uh, payday, but it sounds like you don't regret the decision. Given what you know now about head injuries, certainly you know players that are playing now know more than than those who were playing in the in the mid '90s. Um, do you think about the decision any differently? You know, are, are you more thankful? Um, kind of how do you reconcile what we know now about, about dangers, not just to the knees, but, but to the head? Yeah. And I kind of understanding just more about the issue, maybe than, than most people do. I serve on the NFL pension and disability board. Uh, now I certainly wouldn't diminish, uh, the possibility or certainly, uh, the significance of, of head injuries. Um, but, I, I wouldn't think about my decision just in those terms and like, wow, I'm, I'm really grateful because if I had played another year, then I, this definitely would have happened to me. Uh, anything along those lines, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that I made the decision because I know 
just kind of how bodies deteriorate over time and thinking about my knee now and you know it still swells up every now and then I've had a couple surgeries since I, I was done playing I know that if I had continued to play it certainly would have been worse so I'm more thankful uh, for my own uh, specific injuries kind of getting away from it and understanding at that time just how much worse it could have gotten uh not necessarily thinking about what we've found out about head injuries i know health remains an important initiative for you and we can talk about what you're doing now in a second but do you think that you know we're going to see more players maybe making decisions like you did certainly chris borland patrick willis jason worlds it seems as though um, retiring early might be something that is becoming a bit more popular now than it was when you made the decision in 2000. Yeah, I think uh, you know players are much more aware of the issues now. Um, they're also you know even compared to when I played, making you know much more money and um, you know the uh, the benefits are fantastic. Um, you know it's a, it's another distortion that that happens in the media. I mean you know the. Um, the NFL retirement is better than any of them, period, um, you know, for uh, most players. Um, so, you know, it, I think when guys see that situation, they uh, they make that decision much more readily uh, than they did when I was a player. Let's say you had played eight more years. How much money do you think you could have made? <laughs> eight more years? Yeah, yeah I, was, I was thinking coming eight years. Wow. So, so okay, let's say let's say four more years. Four more years at the at the level you played at the the year you retired. Oh yeah, so I I know it would have been probably in the forty million range. Wow. wow or or one year been, or one year for Bryce Harper. Made, yeah, exactly. Which <laughs> basically would have doubled what I had made uh, in my career to that point. So, um, I know it was a lot of money, but you know, uh, for me. To think about, you know, what what amount of money is really worth a very real possibility of your health deteriorating significantly, and I think that's the you know that's the way that I think about it. Um, you know, and I, and I don't and I don't believe that most people really uh, look at the equation that way. And it's just it's just kind of the way people outside of sports think, and especially outside of football, just because. The, the chance of injury is, is so much greater. We're talking with former Minnesota Vikings running back Robert Smith. And it, all of this that has come about about learning more about the injuries involved in the game. And I was one of those guys where it's like, yeah, make the season longer. Oh, my goodness. Well, <laughs> until you see it, there's going to be nobody left. And now, in fact, I'm the other way. Shorten up the season and maybe lop off uh, an exhibition game because uh, guys get hurt. I mean, and, and Alex Smith is a classic example of that. Not only did this uh, poor man get his leg broken, Joe Theismann-esque, he may never play football again. Can you comment more about uh, maybe lengthening or shortening the NFL season? Yeah, I think, you know, adding regular season games – uh, doesn't make any sense. Um, it, but if it was to be done, it would have to be done with a combination of eliminating the preseason games or eliminating some sort, some number of those games. Um, but as you know, the starters don't play the entire game in a preseason game, and you know maybe, you know maybe a half in a in a series would be the most. You know when you're talking about probably the the third preseason game. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, the, the toll from the game is, is extraordinary. And, uh, you know, adding, adding more games to it, you know, people could say, well, you know, you're going to get more salary, but, uh, you know, I think the chances, the chances of getting injured and of significantly impacting your future earning potential are such that it's, it's really not worth it, uh, for the players because a little bit more money in one year getting, uh, getting more games, uh, would increase the chances so much significantly for a greater injury or for a higher injury rate, having that many more games in one season that it just, it just wouldn't, it, it wouldn't justify the cost. Hey Robert, I have spoken at the uh, NBA rookie symposium and if ever asked to go to the NFL, I would have this advice for guys make as much as you can, as fast as you can use your celebrity on the field to go do something else and get out while you're healthy you're involved now in the Fan Health Network. What impresses me here is sort of the collective thinking. The NFL Players Union, as a one-team collective, I mean, they're acting as venture capitalists. They're the ones, in part, backing your venture. Everybody seems to be thinking differently about how do we utilize our collective celebrity of being pro athletes to do something else. That's, in essence, what you're doing now. Yeah, and, you know, I, I couldn't be more excited about it because— to me, this is, it's the fusion of my greatest passions. You know, I, I went to Ohio State thinking that I was going to go to medical school. I took all the biology, chemistry, physics uh, that would have been required to go to, uh, to, go to medical school. But I, I found out early on that I didn't want to practice medicine. I wanted to be around applied science, and medicine's really uh, the best way to do it. Uh, but now with Fan Health Network, I mean, it's it's uh, digital health, it's mobile technology, it's social networking, uh, it's the power of celebrity, as you mentioned, uh, the partnership with the NFLPA and uh, um, being the uh, exclusive company to use NFL players in corporate wellness. Now we can bring all these concepts together and encourage people to live healthier lives, uh, drive up engagements in corporate wellness programs, and hopefully drive down health care costs. I mean, it's it, it's just it's so exciting to me because I've seen so many of these problems and analyzed them for so long and to be able to bring a solution that we think uh, is going to be very effective. I mean, it's just it's, it's the coolest thing in the world to me. Can you give me some metrics? How's it going? How many people are signing up? What does it cost? Uh, things like that. Yeah, so we just ran our first pilot at Ohio State, uh, but now we're talking to some national insurers and some big uh, national employers about getting people in. So we're really focused on on B two B right now. Although we will uh, do some some consumer challenges uh, in the future, but we're really just getting started. Uh, we had uh, we had finalized the deal uh, with the NFLPA. Uh, then we ran that first pilot that just ended a few weeks ago. I was just actually. Uh, in Columbus a couple days after uh, the game against the team up north uh, for the, uh, some of the some of the doesn't even say the name yeah the team up the north of the, the, the winners of the first challenge which is great and this is what we do like we get people in these health challenges they participate for six or eight weeks 
and then we give them some really cool experiences that they don't get anywhere else. So um, two people did get tickets to the game, so that was fun. They got my tickets, uh, and then two two people are going to go uh, to uh, to see Eddie George perform in Chicago, uh, the musical. Uh, it, it's making uh, its rounds. He did it. He did it on Broadway, but he's going to be doing it. Uh, touring up in Cleveland, uh, so some of the winners are going to go there. But we're excited because we're getting ready to really start expanding these things through national networks of the uh, insurers and employers, and ultimately, like you know, you talk about it, like make your money as fast as you can. Uh, and, and to me, make the biggest impact with the celebrity that you have. Like, it, celebrity by itself isn't really worth a whole lot. Uh, but if you can actually impact people's lives, if you can get people excited about health and wellness, to get them thinking about it in a different way, to mentally and physically be living better uh, because they're encouraged by what they see from athletes, and you can actually help drive down healthcare costs. I mean, you know, what a what a what a great way I think to, you know, kind of change your piece of the world. From the business side of it though, most companies like this wouldn't have the money to have a deal with the NFLPA. I mean, that would generally it's it's millions and millions of dollars if you want to use players likenesses. Oftentimes you give up equity. What's the deal between you and the NFLPA? Uh, well, I, I, I can't give out specifics of the deal, but there was an exchange uh, for some equity for the exclusive part of it. And, you know, the, the, ex- the exclusivity deal is so important for us as we go out to the market because, uh, you know, a, a big problem, they actually call it the white whale uh, in these population health programs. Population health is, you know, trying to get people proactive about their health to drive down health care costs. So you're not waiting until people get sick. You're keeping people from getting sick. But they call engagement the big problem. And the uh, most difficult group to engage, middle-aged men, they're the most expensive to these plans, uh, but they also happen to be big sports fans. So if you can imagine a large national insurer employer and saying, let's have the city of Cleveland employees versus the city of Pittsburgh or Dallas versus basically anybody, you know, but seriously, like Dallas versus Philadelphia or Green Bay versus Minneapolis, uh, you get these uh, employees excited about getting involved in these challenges by tapping into the passion that they have for sports. And now, because we're, we have the exclusive agreement to use the NFL players in that way, we don't have to negotiate with a company that uh, may have some players in one market or another. We could go to the large insurers and employers and say, we're the only company that can do this, and we can help you uh, drive down your health care costs by getting more people involved in your corporate wellness program. So we're really excited about the model, and that's why the NFLPA was so receptive to the idea of getting giving us exclusivity, which, you know, would have would have cost us a, a great deal of money because they can take some of the company and then we can go out and promote this and execute it, um, you know, with the team that we have. And I've got, you know, so excited. I was able to find the uh, the, the former C, uh, CFO from all of WebMD. He was the CFO over all of WebMD. He was the president CFO of LifeLock, ran a bunch of companies in 
um, in the population health space. So he understood the industry and the problem extremely well and understood how our solution could be uh, such a great way for companies to address it. Robert, we got to let you go in a second, but I want to talk, ask you one more question on the football field. I was looking through your uh, football reference page. This jumped out at me. You scored 32 rushing touchdowns in your career. Do you know what the average length of those touchdowns was? I do. It's uh, 27.2. That is amazing to me. I I assume that's a record that will never be broken. How how, how did you do that? Did you never get goal line carries? What's the deal here? Yeah, it's so funny. And this is... This is all due to my Michigan friend, Leroy Horde. Uh, so, so Leroy was uh, my backfield mate for a few years up there in Minnesota. And every time I got inside the 10-yard line, Leroy would come trotting on and I'd go trotting on. So Leroy, Leroy got all those. The glory. Points. Call that a touchdown uh, vulture, right? That's, a, that's, a, that's okay. I've got an untouchable record, as you said. I think, I think Barry Sanders is second uh, all-time. And uh, he's like at 16 or something like that. Wow. So I, I, it's, a, it's a record that won't be touched. It's an, it's, it's an obscure record that was a, a bit fluky uh, because uh, my man, uh, Leroy Horde, got all, the, uh, got all the short touchdown runs for like three seasons. So uh, it, it was fun. And Barry Sanders walked away early, too. So maybe there's the trend we're seeing. Yeah. Yeah, he did it, he did it before I did. And I certainly thought about, uh, you know, uh, Barry and his decision when I, when I made mine. Robert Smith, the former running back for the Minnesota Vikings. It really is nice to talk with you. Thank you so much for taking the time and and just chatting with us and uh, just having a good old time. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. One of the more interesting jocks we speak with all the time, Robert Smith. My takeaway from all of this is the perspective that there was so much more, and he knew. He knew. There's medicine. There's music. There's so much more that many of these athletes do, and they have to hide it. Even he was like, yes, coaches don't want too much more. But the the fact that he and I think more and more athletes today, there's an illumination that, and you see it with the more than an athlete, don't stick to sports. There's just this recognition happening that they have a platform, they have a voice, and they intend to use it. I was struck by the the kind of the full circle of his career here. In 1994, he's a player rep playing in the NFL for the NFLPA. That's when the NFLPA's uh, Players, Inc. started, right? The subsidiary marketing and licensing subsidiary. Yeah. Flash forward 25 plus years, you know, he's starting his own fan health initiative. And who does he go with for seeding and help? You know, he goes back to the NFLPA through their one-team collective. They're acting as venture capitalists. It's essentially the modern-day iteration of the NFL Players Inc., which started back when he was a player. And as he said, you know, being able to have access to help from, you know, NFL current and former players uh, is a tremendous boost to a, to a young businessman. It's and nice he could to not have afforded. Exactly. Uh, I just wanted to expand on that. That's uh, similar to what I was, wanted to take away is that he walked away from the game. And like you said, Scott, I mean, he, he had at least a good four years to go. And he said there was a lot of money he could have made on the table. It doesn't seem like he's bored on the couch, does it, Bar? No, no, not at all. My goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since a kid. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike. We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports, the number of the week. Time now for the number of the week. Here it is. 32. Oh, I was hoping we didn't 
think I thought you were going to go 200 million, which is like the number of Fortnite subscribers. Oh, I know this one actually. You know? Oh. Yeah, number of NFL teams that have refused to sign Colin Kaepernick. Oh. <laughs> no, oh man! <laughs> we can go. On. That's another show, uh, Novi Williams. That was pretty good. No, was I that know. wrong? What Na- what NASCAR driver wears thirty two? <laughs> I'll give you a hint. Okay, we talked about it in the show. Harry Sanders. What? What are we talking about in the show with thirty two? Thirty two. I'll give you another hint. Colin, help. Eben brought it up. Oh, is that his number of touchdowns? You got it, oh, man. Yeah. Okay. Oh man. man, he he could have had a lot more. It sounds like he got touchdown vultured by uh, by that full pack. <laughs> see, I'm no, see, I'm okay with the guy who's normally a battering ram getting some glory. That I mean, the fullbacks were like, remember Robert Newhouse? Oh yeah. All right, so Robert Newhouse yeah. ran in front of the great Cowboys running back. You know, the, all all the Cowboys, right. uh, Emmitt Smith, etc. Was he Smith or before? But like, he might have he might have been just before. But uh, he might okay, have came so in the but he's just and Daryl Johnston. Like these guys get beat up, just crashing into linebackers, and the other guys scamper wide open into the end zone. Yay! Touchdown, Spike. You know this guy's down on the ground, just got killed. Let the fullback get some glory. Imagine being this guy's fantasy owner, by the way. You know, one of the he best running great. backs in the league. Every time he gets in the ten, you're handing it off to somebody else. When I played Little. fantasy back then, man, he was superb. Yeah, I'm man. sure you won back then. Anyhow, <laughs> you've been listening. Ouch. You've been listening to the Bloomberg Business of Sports. We are here each and every week at the same time, plus online as an Apple podcast. And you can catch that Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Mike Labar on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. I'm Eben Novi Williams on Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. Oh, the only hiccup you had there was like the name of the show. I mean, there's a little pause there. Well, the Bloomberg know, Business well, of well, Sports. You, you, you slapped me down uh, earlier, right. man. Well, I'm Scott Soshnick. You can follow me on Twitter at Soshnick. And thanks for joining us. Please tune in next week when we speak with Oliver Luck of the XFL. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world and online. And as a podcast, we're available.